0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. And I want to encourage you this morning on Pentecost Sunday with a word from the book of Hosea. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, Hosea is one of the Old Testament prophets, and he has a life story. In which the narrative of his life is symbolic of God's relationship with his people the children of Israel Hosea actually marries a woman that is unfaithful to him and returns and there's the whole back and forth with with all of that and it's illustrative of the way that God's people often are and interact with him in the times of you know, certain times and seasons we, we seek the Lord fervently and passionately, and other times we turn away. And we become comfort and complacent, uh, comfortable and complacent, and we settle in in seasons of abundance. So today I, I want to encourage you with a message that I've entitled, Settling in Seasons of Abundance. Because there are two different dispensations that we're going to look at today, but two parallel experiences. And the first of those, when I say dispensation, dispensation means a way that God deals and interacts with his people. The first of those dispensations is that the children of Israel lived under what we call living under the law. They lived under the law of Moses and they were a part of the sacrificial system and temple worship and all those things. And that is the way that God met and dealt with his people. We, however, live in the church age and we live under the dispensation of grace. That is how God deals with us. We no longer have to sacrifice uh, bulls and goats and, and turtle doves and all those things because Christ once and for all, has offered himself as the ransom and the propitiation for our sins, and now there is one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how God deals with us. But even though these are two different seasons and eras in time as God is dealing with his people, there are two parallel experiences that we're going to see. First of all is that both the, the Old Testament Israelites and the New Testament church all started out with a promise. It all started with a promise. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, we hear the Lord speaking to Moses and says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from a land that is a good land, a large land that flows with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. You can get hung in that and add the termites to the end if you want to. Sometimes you just on a roll, you know. But God gave them this promise they were living in captivity and they were living in bondage and God said I'm going to come and deliver them out of that and I'm going to usher them into a place of abundance. Does that sound familiar? As Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he also spoke to his people and said, It is expedient for you that I go away because the the mode of operation through which Jesus is going to impart that abundance is in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away in the fleshly sense because if I go away, I will send my comforter to you. The Holy Spirit will come to you. And he is going to do a work in us that's going to lead us to a place of abundance and overflow. Let me tell you something, church. If you came into this place empty today, if you walk through your week empty next week, if you live your life in brokenness and emptiness, understand this. It is not for lack of provision because you and I have available to us the means to live in the overflow of the goodness of God, not simply skimped by on what crumbs we can get to survive but God has provided for us in the person of the Holy Spirit an abundance there's an abundance for us and Jesus said here's the promise Luke 24:49 behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high The parallel experience of both of these eras of of God's people is that they both began with a promise and they both continued living reliant upon the promises of God. We see the Old Testament Israelites as they're wandering through the wilderness. They abode under the covering of the manifest presence of God. They walked through seas on dry ground. They saw the walls of their adversaries crumble before them. They saw their enemies vanquished. They ate manna that the Lord provided in the wilderness, and they drank water from a rock. And the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ started out on a promise. And they tarried until they were endued with power from on high. And they abode and walked in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, seeing the dead raised to life, seeing the sick healed, strongholds breaking, miracles of provision. And then in both instances, they became comfortable. And in Hosea chapter 13, verse 6, we read these words. And it says, Back here in uh, just the preceding verse from that, God said, "When when you walk in the wilderness, when you were living in the wilderness, I knew you. In other words, when times were hard, when things weren't going your way, when you didn't know where your next meal was coming from, when the only way that you could have your thirst satisfied was for me to cause water to flow from a rock, I knew you then. But now, when you found pasture and they were filled, they became comfortable. It's a common phenomenon. As a matter of fact, God spoke through the prophet again to remind the Israelites of their diligence in seeking him in the wilderness. In Jeremiah chapter 2, he asked them what made them turn to idolatry. And by verse 7, we read this. He says, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. I provided abundance for you to walk in, to live in, and to enjoy. And throughout church history, there have been times of great persecution and struggle that have often seen great seasons of revival come after them. Why? Because when God's people are desperate for answers, God's people are desperate for God. But when we get to places where everything's kind of going our way and everything's only even keel, we tend to kind of drift away and become comfortable and complacent in where we're living and we forgot who brought us to the land of abundance. We have a tendency of settling in seasons of abundance. We become lazy. We become forgetful. And they forgot God. It's a common phenomenon that people seek God in the hard times, but they forsake God in times of favor and blessing. Uh, Hosea chapter 13, verse 6 continues, and it says, This, when they had pasture, they were filled, and they were filled, and their hearts were exalted, and they forgot me. Jeremiah continues with that same thought and says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And you know what? We could point our fingers, but you know, it's, it's seen all the time within the ranks of Christianity. We, we see it through Christ's rebuke of the seven churches of Asia Minor in the book of Revelation. We often read about that lukewarm church of Laodicea. And we, we hear the Lord say, I would that you were rather hot or cold, but because you're neither hot nor cold, you're a lukewarm church, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And we just, oh my goodness, the lukewarm church. And, and we, we just look at that, but we never stop to focus on how did they get lukewarm. How did they get lukewarm? How did they get lukewarm? It's in the very next verse. Because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. Understand this, church, there is a hazard around your life today. There is a hazard, there is a snare that the enemy has set before you and the snare is called comfort. Because when we get to places and we're walking in abundance, we forget how we got there. We forget the God that has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We forget how we were freed from bondage and captivity and how he provided for us in the wilderness. And Jesus says to the church of Laodicea, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I don't care what you've got in your bank account. I don't care what size your house is or what kind of car you drive or how well life is going for you. If you're not prayed up and full of the Spirit of God today, you are empty, you are broken, you are miserable and wretched and undone. I don't care how comfortable you are it's amazing how much someone will trust God and they'll serve God when they don't have what it is that their heart has so desired you know as long as I'm seeking God for something I seek God for something it's also amazing how soon people forget the fervor with which they sought the Lord when they are not facing their time of need They're in love with Jesus until the house gets built. They're in love with Jesus until the car got upgraded. They're in love with Jesus until they're able to have the baby. They're in love with Jesus until they get the job they wanted. They're in love with Jesus until they get the things patched up with their spouse. you never seen nobody so on fire for God except a couple of people whose marriage is on the rocks. But when the Spirit of God comes in and brings healing and restoration, then all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. They're off enjoying life together. We love God. We love Jesus until that child gets out of trouble. You see, in many instances in our generation, we figured our way around Faith. We're we're an educated people whose world is filled with ingenuity and problem-solving skills like the likes of which the world has never seen, and we don't have to rely on God for the answers until we do. We've got conveniences and technologies that make our lives easy, and we don't look to God for comfort until we do. If we don't have the means, someone's going to lend it to us, and we don't have to trust God for provision until we do. And when we do, and we're brought to those places of discomfort, we do it fervently. My challenge to you today, church, is to not let it get to a point that you have to be subjected to difficulty in order to seek God for his power and his goodness and his abundance in your life. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what happened here in the book of Hosea. What proceeds from this point in the book of Hosea is God promising to bring great calamity upon the house of Israel in an attempt to help them realize how far they had drifted away. He says here in verse 7, So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk. I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs, and I will tear open the ribcage, and there I will devour them like a lion, like the, uh, the wild beast shall tear them. Oh Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. And I want to tell you something. What's true for the Israelites in this instance is true for the church as well. There are tendencies to wonder that are met often by being subject to difficulty. And understand this, this is not God exacting revenge. But this is the mercy and the grace of a loving Heavenly Father that sees us drifting away, that sees us drifting to difficulty and knows in His omniscience that the only way to get us to turn is to bring us to places that we need Him. You know, it's, if you read this passage, if you think of those aggravating divots on the shoulder of the freeway that they've gone along and dug out, that when you, when you roll over too far, all of a sudden you get that under your tires. You, know, you want to do it again? I, okay. you, you get that under your, and, it, and your ride is no longer as smooth as it was. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, first of all, am I going to have a, coronary event here from being so surprised by that noise that scared me to death and B what have I got to do to smooth things back out sometimes we run into a little difficulty in life and it's not it's not God punishing us it's not that God's angry with us it's that God's heart is breaking because he sees us moving away from him and he's trying to help us course correct and things might get a little rough for a little while and, and we've got to, it gets our attention and we try to figure out what have I got to do to course correct here. And I got to tell you something today, church, there's a lot of things that are being shaken in this generation. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken and there are many people wringing their hands and there are many people speculating, even people in the church, as to what, what is the meaning of all the things that we see going on in the world around us. And we we reference the wickedness of the world, and and we talk about the second coming of Jesus, and I believe that all of these things are leading up to the coming of the Lord. I believe the stage is being set. I believe that it's all lining up exactly the way that the Word says that it is. But if that's your only sole focus, I believe today you're short-sighted. Because my word says that, you know, we can look around and say, "All oh, this world's getting in terrible shape and the wickedness of man's heart is abounding and I believe the coming of the Lord is near. God's getting ready to exact judgment on this world, you know, and we could go down that trail if we want to and believe you me, it will happen. But my word also says that God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. And I'm telling you, when you hear the shaking and you see the shaking in this world, you need to understand that it is, all, it is also the heart of God not only to forewarn us of things that are to come, but to guide us back to the heart of the Father, that we no longer be lukewarm, but we would be on fire of God, set ablaze by the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Good gracious, I would submit to you today that what's happening in our world today has as much to do with the complacency of the believers as it does with the wickedness of the world around us. There still remains a reluctance on the part of the church to seek God. There's a standoffishness as it relates to the altar. There's an abstention from the prayer gatherings, and I'm telling you, church things are going to begin shaking even more than they are now, and you understand it from the perspective of a believer that it is the heart of God calling out to you and saying, come unto me, all you that are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's the Spirit of God calling out and saying, anyone that thirsts come to me and out of his inmost being there's going to flow rivers of living water he can satisfy you because what happened after all of this is that in, in both instances I believe that these people of God experienced a renewed call to fellowship turn over one more page to Hosea chapter 14 and you read these words O Israel return to the Lord your God for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. The Assyrians shall not save us. Insert government there, please. the Assyrians will not save us we will not ride on horses nor will we say anymore to the work of our hands you are our gods for in you the fatherless find mercy and God says I will heal their backsliding and I will love them freely for my anger is turned away from him and I believe in this hour that God is renewing a call to a church to tarry before the Lord until we be endued with power In the book of Acts chapter 2, Luke records and writes to the great Theophilus and says, on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place with one accord and there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Church, I'm telling you that the power of God is still available for you there's still an abundance for you to walk in but don't become comfortable in this generation so much so that you forget the power of God that has hauled you out of darkness and into his marvelous light (laughs) Peter continues on that day of Pentecost and says for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as will call on the name of the Lord our God And on the last, John chapter 7, John records Jesus on the last great day of the feast. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For as yet the Holy Spirit was not given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And church, today as you're standing all over this congregation, I want to I remind you that Jesus has been glorified. Jesus has been glorified the comforter has come let us not be so distracted in this generation let us not be so bound with the comforts of this life that we forget our need to walk daily in the power and the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit I'm sorry I'm sorry for the things that you see going on in the world around you I'm sorry that it can't be this idealistic experience that you have in mind. I'm sorry that you don't walk out these doors and find Mayberry anymore. I'm sorry. But we've got to do more as the church than gather around in our holy little huddles and complain about how bad the world is. We've got to get back to a place where we stay on our faces before God. Say, God, as it was in the book of Acts, as it was throughout all of the New Testament, as it has been over and over again through history, as it was at Azusa Street, Lord, fill us afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit.